Welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast that has the science and the screaming to unequivocally figure out what the best movie is of any given year. I'm your host, Mike Gravano, and this entire season we've been digging into 2001. This week specifically, we will be talking about E2 Mama Tambien. E2 Mama Tambien, how about? Uh, With me, as always there, you heard him, is Greg. Mike, gun to your head, because I have actually done that. Science or screaming? What do you Greg, got? Greg is crazy. I'm a science guy. Yeah. They call me You're Mike, like Mike Bill the Nye. Guy. I'm like Bill Nye. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, I just wanted to make the same joke that you were going to make. <laughs> yep. Well, you interrupted <laughs> the introduction, so why would you not interrupt directly after the introduction? That's the actual pitch of the podcast. <laughs> right there, what Greg said. <laughs> uh, Ryan, I, d- I don't think it's your turn to talk yet, right? Yeah, no, nobody has said my name, so I'm so sorry, Greg. <laughs> the Take one- away a point. The one describing how this show works uh, is Ryan, I who love I believe how... is my best friend. I don't remember. Yep, yep, uh, yep. Uh, yep. I love how Mrs. Nye had two twin babies, Bill Nye the science guy and Bill Nye the screaming guy. And the two of them, <laughs> uh, they were raised in different ways, I would say. Like, one became me, one became Greg. And Mike have, will yes. determine which one is which. Check out the movie Three Identical Strangers. It's the same premise. Mike, can we just say when we're recording this and why I'm so fucked up? Can we, we just talk about that right now? We're recording it right now. Uh, Ryan is fucked up because that's what Ryan does. Uh, it is the... I don't Not know necessarily cool, when you will uh, hear this, listeners. Uh, we all found out unequivocally, both the science and the screaming have proved hmm. that Joe Biden is the 46th president of the United States. And so we have been drinking uh, separately togetherly and, and everything in between and equally uh and we'll continue to do so uh throughout the show <laughs> began the show and i will sure shots will continue on the show and look and, there was uh, a point tonight where greg went to put a song into the jukebox and then came back and started dancing in such a way where mike went behind greg and uh-huh. i went in front of greg and it's sultry times it's sultry times it's what can sultry I say? Time. it feels yeah. good it is even though covid is still rampant today Everybody has the day off. Throw off those masks. Yeah. Dance with three people. Just rub like yourself. Just put a sultry song in the jukebox and see what happens uh, because it, it's the first good day in American years. Yeah. And it is, it's literally a beautiful day. Like it was a little overcast early and that, that was nice. But here, like seriously, the, the clouds have parted and the sun has come out. Mike, I'm, I can report that now. Thank you, Greg. And uh, that's Greg with weather. Ryan with sports. <laughs> uh, sports, Mike. I are all uh, uh, kicking footballs into the sun because it's hot as yeah. Trump. I don't. I don't know how to no, do this. No, I hear USC did well today. Uh, but let's talk about what we're actually here to talk about. Our main segment of pop filter news on movie year is E2 Mama Tambien. Uh, gentlemen, I, what is? I'm not going to be that fucking guy who comes out and says this is the best movie that we've ever done. <laughs> but are you sure, but- Ryan? But I fucking love this movie. Yeah. I love this movie with an unadulterated, like, no, I, I don't have to, like, do anything. Like, well, if you think about it or think about, like, no, this is a fucking borderline perfect movie. It also, I think, does a really good job of showing how, like, you you don't need big, grand, sweeping, epic tales for a movie mm-hmm. to be interesting. I can't believe how intrinsically interesting this guy's movies are. Like, just the shots and the dialogue and the actors, like, everything about it is so interesting, even though it's, you know, it's, it's just about kind of, like, normal life. But I can well, see the argument that maybe even this person forgot about that. Even this forgot person. Forgot about what? 
Yeah, I mean, like going on to Children of Men and then Gravity and then oh Roma, yeah, like that. Maybe even he, like it, it, this, might be his best or at least most pure movie. You know, like this might be the best thing he's ever done, and it's because he kept trying to like get that first shot of cocaine. You know, that you will never get again. It's this movie. Like this movie is, this is this is this is movies right here. Yeah, this is movies. Inarguable. E. To Mama Tambien. and that was Roma too. I mean, that was that was that was one hundred percent Roma too. I thought like uh, it just R O M A Roma. <laughs> but this guy loves movies. Like I, I, I really like the movies that we watch where the director clearly is just like, okay, first off, you know what's fucking awesome? Movies. Here's one, idiot. <laughs> like <laughs> he seems to like them so much, Hop and that like, <laughs> that comes across in everything he does. Yeah, what's great about, because I think so many great directors are commenting on movies while making them, is at no point does Kiran feel like he's like, idiots, here's what movies do. He's like gathering us in his arms and saying, isn't it great what movies do? Uh No, yeah. I think instead what he's saying is like, hey, idiots, you don't know about Godard. So I'm going to rip from Godard as hard as I can, and you'll think that I came up with all of it. And I'm totally fine with that. Like, uh, there's so many people who think that like, Kiran invented all of this shit. Not knowing what he stole from Godard, and that's what is, how movies work. What is Godardian uh, that Kiran does for those of uh, not not me, but the listeners not, who don't? Also, know who that Mike, is. also not me. Yeah, not me. Or but Greg. I also do want him Where, to say people are constantly calling us yeah. Godarded. We're that into Godard, but like, <laughs> all right. So just for the listeners, and not my two allegedly uh, cinephiles that I'm doing this podcast with, uh, uh, that was never proven. Okay. No, Cinephiles was a compliment there, Greg. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, Taking the very small stakes of a story and making it be basically about the biggest things possible, not just in the country, but also within these people's lives. This is probably the greatest story that these people will have ever told. And making it seem small, but it's very, very big. That's Godardian. Not to mention the fact that we have the narrator that comes in. And uh, the narrator comes in and says, not like, hey, here is what Tenoch and... Who's the other guy? Um, It's Tenoch and... Julio is thinking right now, but doing this other sort of poetic, sort of like uh, hands-off narration... Like, everything that we're seeing here is Godard of like... That really is interesting the way he like... He has access in an omniscient fashion to things that the characters don't have. Yes, we don't want to. Yes, this is. These are all good points. We don't want to dig into this too soon yet. Uh, Spoken like a true host, but the whole <laughs> like the whole like I'm going to create a piece that will become its own art, as opposed to feeling like goat every art is what he's yeah. We, that, okay, now this is yeah yeah. I'm sure this is sounding familiar to the audience. I have to find a new movie podcast to be. On. Like, <laughs> uh, but instead, creating this entire whole thing where we could say, like, we could step back and be like, "Oh my God, this is this is an incredible work of art." Is what, let's say, that's what Godard did. That's what Koran's doing now. This is the best movie that this is one of the best movies that we've ever watched for this podcast. And Mike, I'm ready to start the show. All right. If you want to hear way more of that, keep listening. And if you don't. Keep listening anyway. We could use it. When we come back, <laughs> even more. E2 Mama Tambien. E2 Mama Tambien is Alfonso Curran's fourth film and the one that elevated him in Hollywood. It was co-written with his brother Carlos Curran. 
E2 tells a coming-of-age story about two teenage boys, Julio and Tenoch, who take a road trip with a woman in her late 20s, Tenoch's cousin's wife, Luisa. After spending some time in Hollywood, Curran said he wanted to make the film he was going to make before film school and reject commercial production techniques like dollies, close-ups, and dissolves. Set in 1999, the film takes place against the backdrop of Mexico's political and economic realities at the end of uninterrupted seven decades of presidents from the Institutional Revolutionary Party and the rise of the opposition led by Vicente Fox. The film earned $2.2 million its first week in June 2001, setting a new record for the highest box office opening in Mexican cinema. Taste Buds, I ask you this. What is E2 Mama Tambien saying about truth in the world and the exterior versus interior life of people? I think one thing that's saying that is really interesting is that we, because we don't tell people so many things, the narrator has access to so many things that characters aren't saying to each other. And because they don't talk to one another, they accidentally hurt each other in a lot of ways where if they just, if everyone just knew the truth, they wouldn't accidentally hurt each other. But ultimately in the balance of the movie, isn't it maybe too much truth that seems to actually like obliterate this friendship isn't it like the falling away of the isn't it like the homoerotic becoming the homosexual and like the throwing away of the the surface lie of their relationship that i don't know kind of undoes them in a way i don't know if it's the truth that undoes them i think it's truth as a weapon that undoes them when they start to realize the power of truth and they've been holding it back and start to use it as a knife instead of a bridge yeah but I guess what I mean is the truth about they have a, a truth about their relationship, I, I feel like, which is that they have some sort of sexual attraction to each other. Um, and that when the like when the curtain of that is thrown off and when they stand in like recognition of that, is that what causes them to like never see each other again? Because they basically see each other one time after mm-hmm. they end up sleeping together. To me, it felt like that's one of numerous things that happened in those several days that, that split them apart. Caused it's, them to, to... Yeah. They always hid the truth of how they felt about each other's class, which the narrator knows and reveals throughout it. Uh, and it's the, the truth of how they fucked each other over throughout their friendship. Is it true that well, they had sex with each other's girlfriends, do you think? I'm not sure. I mean, I assume so, but I would not be surprised at all if it was not true at all. It's a, it seems like at certain times they reveal things that maybe they would only know potentially if they had mm-hmm. had sex with each other's girlfriends. But it felt very like, I'm going to hurt you, so I'm going to say what would be the worst thing. But like, it's hard to imagine either one of these dudes having sex with... <laughs> and they, right. both, it, they both know that those relationships are not going to continue. So like, there's a good chance that you'll never know the truth because right. those relationships are over. You know, like, yeah, we're not, they're well, they, not going to come back and like be our girlfriends, so which they don't do I and want. they never were going to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they treat their girlfriends like shit. They obviously either try to cheat on them or do all of the time. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's no reason that would continue. The other thing I, I noticed about truth in the movie was that, like, as you go through places in Mexico, the narrator is reminding us of what has happened there and it, mm-hmm. it's it's a reminder that everywhere we go, we're dislocated from it in time, but we're always passing through the sites of accidents and tragedies and that we just, we don't know it because we're not there at the same moment it happens. 
But like those things are almost under the surface of time. Like we are obscured through time from seeing them. But like that's where a massacre took place. That's where an accident took place. This is where government oversight failed to protect people from a natural disaster. Yeah, this is where I think like this is I think the biggest deal is that they as they drive deeper into the country, then they choose to look more at each other, which is about that like that's the point of the movie, right? Like, holy shit, we are good friends. Like, here we are. And then less at the outside. And as we get as we go through the road trip, like things are getting much, much worse. Like, this is a poor, poor, poor country, and they do not it's not that they don't care. It's not like they're saying, oh, but haha, we don't care. At least we're better than them. They don't even notice what is outside right. of their window. They don't even notice what is outside of the car, which is the like that we all thought that uh Gael Bernal what's his name? Uh Julio was like that that's poor, right? He grew up in a in an apartment. That's what poor is. And then they get into the uh, country, and then, like, we have never seen poverty like this before. And they just keep looking into the car and not out of the car. Yeah, it's interesting because so there's the exterior versus interior life of the individuals and how well they know each other. But there's also the interiority of their little group they connect. And so they all just keep having fun telling fart and sex jokes instead of looking at what's going around. And it does feel like Tenoch and Julio are doing it because that's like the age and kind of people they are. And Louisa, because she is dying. And because and she never had that. She never, never had, had that. that young, carefree, right. innocent part of her life. And now she's got like three months of life left total. Right. So she's like embracing it. She's like, you know what? I am going to look not outside the car windows. Yeah. I'm right in here. And they're both, you know, they're both dying too. Their friendship is dying. Uh, they are leaving one way of life and they're choosing another. They are both trying to choose a different future for themselves than the one that they are definitely going to choose and they know they definitely are going to choose and that the movie bears out that they definitely choose. And uh, this this trip may not be the thing. It's probably the thing that finally ends their friendship, but they get more stratified as they go into adult life. They are less stratified as 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 kids, but as they become adults now, they're going to enter into different levels of class, even if it's not as bad as what you see in the rural class. Like they're going to be a different type of people. I remember this being a story about a rich kid and a and a kind of middle class kid. This kid is the the son of the Secretary of State of Mexico. He's not just yeah. like He's not just like a, a, a rich, a rich kid. kid. He's like a very powerful, connected. Kid. I don't. I don't know how I could have missed that the first time I watched it, but like it really well, made mean, more of an impression on me this time. Yeah, like it's it's easy to talk shit on like the first time you watch things because so much stuff goes over your head. Like there's so much stuff in this movie that like is sort of designed to go over your head. You yeah, know? right. And then you watch it's, it again, and then it all hits. You're like, oh my god. There's four levels, and they're all hitting me right now. But, uh, yeah, I think that the big thing, too, is that, uh, like, the class difference is, it, it, like, it, it, it's there, and they're talking about it, but mostly it does come down to Tenoch and Julio's relationship and how they interact with each other. Yeah, the class really only, because the, the, their class difference isn't that great versus the people they interact with on the road trip, it's only it's either ignored or used as a weapon. And maybe there's moments of uncomfortability. Like the narrator tries to be like, Oh, Tenich always uses his foot to open a toilet. Uh-huh. Yeah. The narrator does a really good job of like barely dipping his toe in mm-hmm. this stuff. But going a bit to the, like what you don't 
realize the first time that the movie's doing it does it's because it, i think it's trying to hide a lot of cultural commentary in a mexican super bad very purposefully <laughs> it's like look at all their fart jokes and how they interact with each other and yes this is a coming of age but that stuff on the edges takes a few viewings i think maybe their view maybe they the, maybe the, the character's view of it is a super bad i think the movie has like a much more obviously serious tone yeah than that. i mean it's it is about people fiddling while rome burns i mean it's it's about an abdication of responsibility. I think it's about trying to not look outside the car, no matter what else happens and to hope that you're going somewhere that doesn't even fucking exist. Like, <laughs> That's, I, yes. And to talk about like truth and what the movie's saying is they make up heaven's mouth. Yeah. This beautiful Eden-esque beach to get Louisa just to like, they just want to hang out with a pretty lady. Yeah. They don't think anything. Will actually happen. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then heaven's mouth is real. What is the movie doing with truth there? That's so fucking awesome. That's just, I mean, it, it, it is, I think it is ultimately a confirmation that there is some aspirational hope that like, you know, that Mexico and really just life and, and everywhere is a mix of like the absurd and the broken and the awful. But it really is like also a place where some dreams can come true, where some magical things can happen in a movie that doesn't really have any magical realism for this place to just exist actually is kind of like magical realism. It's something that like sort of comes out of the firmament and exists for them. And it's like, it's an oddly beautiful moment of the movie when they find out it's a real place and they look at each other. It's just particularly like when all of the beams work together, right? Like when all of the things align, then that is when heaven's mouth opens, you know, like when all of, all of the classes are working together, then we can have perfection. And shout out to Chewie. There's also the reverse. Yeah. And Chewie is definitely part of it. But there's also the reverse because they have the exact same look on the exact same boat when the pigs are attacking the tent. <laughs> when you guys are uh, equally aligned like you were when we found Heaven's Mouth, that's the same exact look we have when we're like, oh, fuck, pigs are attacking. You know, like <laughs> at, at that point, all of the pigs can attack too. Would you say that was 35 to 50 feral hogs? <laughs> I don't, I have a gun for that, Greg, if you want it. <laughs> uh, I, we can keep talking about truth and character interiority, but unfortunately, we are out of time. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, it's Mount Rushmore time. Mount Rushmore! Taste Buds, we have taken our own sexual-fueled road trip to the Mount Rushmore in South Wait, Dakota. did you guys take your own sexual road trip and not in... Guys? Oh, Mike. You're, you were supposed to be here. I told you to invite Greg. I thought you would invite. Well, I, Greg. I would never invite Greg. <laughs> so Ryan and I in South Dakota, Greg is zooming. Thank in. God we have and, Zoom uh, set up. Yeah, we are staring up at at the Mount Rushmore, and I believe it is the four ugliest presidents <laughs> America's ever had. And we said that's not cool. We want a 2001 based one, and so I love this every season when it comes out. This is going to be the 2001 Ghostbusters Rushmore. And let us not forget, there's an extra fifth slot for the little helper guy. Now, Mike. What's the little helper guy's name? <laughs> it's uh, Gizmo. Rick Moranis. Gizmo. Rick Moranis, <laughs> thank you. But this one won't get this punched. This was not a funny year. No. 2001? Why not? Oh, I don't know. I guess because I had 11. But uh, that was like towards the this end. This is of the hard year. to make. Also, Rudy Giuliani uh, hosted Saturday Night Live. 
Is that after 9-11 or pre? I think it was during. <laughs> during. That's, you know what? I think we figured out why. That's happened. why we used to say never forget, but we did. This is also the year never that he forget. created the single greatest breakfast. Rudy Tootie, Fresh and Giuliani. Salami. Hey, hey. It's a breakfast pasta. <laughs> <laughs> the Grand Giuliani salami. Okay. So, four plus one. Who will be your Ghostbusters of 2001, starting with Ryan, the best friend? Uh, Mike, I'm I'm going back to 2001. I'm going to be honest with you, dude. There's 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 a couple of rules. Uh-huh. Uh, number one is never forget. Number two is never touch a black man's radio. And so true. Chris Tucker is the lead Ghostbuster who can say that to the rest of his Ghostbuster team. What was going on with Chris Tucker in 2001? Uh, Chris Tucker was the two. star of Rush Hour 2. Uh, he was on Height. top of the world. Yeah, I, I think we would be... Uh, it'd be a flawed show and a flawed segment if we did not throw Chris Tucker directly onto this mountain because you need that star power. And it's crazy what 2001 thought about star be power. Like, Do you understand the streams coming out of my backpack? Oh, yeah. There's definitely references to his... Other yeah, there things. should be. It's... I don't think there should be, but there will be. I think it should be like it's actually Chris Tucker who is the Ghostbuster. And so it's Hollywood's Chris Tucker. Ryan. Oh, as himself. Yeah, as himself. But he's they're like, Chris, you're the only one who could do it. He's like, okay, I, you know, I guess. I'll do it, I guess. I like it. And if he wears that outfit from Fifth Element sometimes, that's cool. <laughs> that's something different. But yeah, it'd be cool if he did that sometimes. <laughs> All right, Greg, what do you got? All right, 2001 is, I think, a good time to appreciate the career of Ben Stiller. We just recently ran through a, a whole retrospective of, of all the things that are great about Ben Stiller. And honestly, I think what you're doing when you get Ben Stiller to be on this Ghostbusters is you're having him play the angry Ben Stiller character. So a lot like Chaz from the Royal so Tannenbaum. A goatee here. Yeah, running, yeah. And, you know, like getting fired up and, and running in and, and, and shooting the ghost with all, with his beams and everything. Uh, but that's like, you know, Chris Tucker is going to give you like this bouncy, ebullient energy. And I think we're also going to mm-hmm. need like the darker kind of angrier energy. Good use of a That you get from Ben Stiller. <laughs> I, yeah, you know what? I, I thought because 2001 uh, was death for comedy. But so far with these two, I'm sold. I almost don't care who else is here. That's a pretty strong double billing. Butts that fill seats. Wait, these guys put butts. These in These guys seats. fill you know butts. What I'm to say. <laughs> these guys fill those Dude, butts. These guys fill up butts. Straight, <laughs> straight up <laughs> with seats. Uh, did I already do that? Yeah. Ben Stiller is right up there. Boo yeah. Ryan. So what do you tonight got? we're talking about a movie that is from Mexico. But that doesn't mean that we have to talk about the Mexican. We can talk about other movies like America. Yeah, it's a weird movie that is. I don't even know if it's rated, but it's probably overrated. It's not good. Uh, it's unrated. Two thousand one also had America's Sweethearts, where we found out that uh, there were superstars amongst us again. There was we had Hollywood stars, and then there's also Ocean's Eleven, where Julia Roberts. In three different movies in 2001, proved time and time again that she was America's sweetheart. So those three movies are Ocean's Eleven, America's Sweetheart, the and the Mexican. Oh, she. Oh, yeah, the first movie you brought up. It's so forgettable. I forgot that that's how you started. A talking lot like about. votes. You take the last one, 
and then take that first and then work your way back. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will put Julia Roberts on. The You're name a fucking file. racist, sexist piece of shit. But that's fine. I'm check out. I check disagree. out this scene. Right. She and Chris Tucker. They develop their characters. Develop an energy. There's a there's a you know perspective romance there. He is showing her the ghost sucking trap. And he like opens it up and she goes and he's like, reach in there. And, and she goes to reach in there and he kind of closes it on her hand when she's oh. reaching in there and she does the, she does the pullback. I, potential. Greg, I love it. Unfortunately, our producers are sexist and they don't want girls in the movie. Oh, wow. That is yeah. not true. Not even, not even Julia not, Roberts. Not even who's Julia Roberts. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> I don't like any of this energy. Greg, yes. what do you got? All right. 2001, you are thinking about only... I do like that we keep resetting what year we're in, <laughs> just in case before forgetting. <laughs> I have to say something as I look over at my list and decide what movie I'm going to pick. 2001 means a lot of things to a lot of different people, but it means mostly we need a team of all-stars. Hey, now, you're an all-star, Shrek. Let's put Shrek on the team, guys. <laughs> he's big. He's green. He's a little bit like Slimer. Just like Slimer. One of the boys, right? He has the same head and ears. Oh, Shrek. Greg, you're, you're doing so well. <laughs> that is not even going on the maybe pile. Ryan, what do you got? It was unconventional. Uh, I like your moxie. <laughs> All right. So I have uh, Ben Stiller, and I have Chris Tucker on the mountain, and I want to balance that out. How do we balance out Chris Tucker? I only know one way. It's... <laughs> It's Jackie Science. Chan. I want. I think that Jackie Chan should be there to help out everything that's going on right now. They can understand the words coming out of each other's mouths. Exactly. That's good. What what kind of like? So we we got like Spangler, we got Egon, we got Ray, we got Winston. What what role is Jackie Slimer. Chan here? <laughs> I think maybe <laughs> I don't like that. Uh, maybe he's come over from like across the seas. He's like part of the international oh, Ghostbusters yeah. organization. Ooh. I think the thing you're getting that we they really have to utilize, of course, is his like agility, right? So you're gonna br- you're bringing that onto the team. That's never been done in Ghostbusters. Someone who could just like fucking scale a wall, be good at what they yeah. do. <laughs> that could be it. He could be the one who's actually good at Ghostbusting, and the rest of them are just like flirting and fucking yeah, off i could see him being like a, a martial arts fueled egon yeah for sure yeah he's like that yeah and he's the only competent one and the rest of them are just there like you know shit i was gonna put this on the maybe pile but ryan you are lucky you have greg as your competitor <laughs> because jackie chan just slipped onto that mountain greg what do you got help yourself well, like you just helped i'm gonna him. cross jackie chan off my list um <laughs> uh, i think Okay, I, I think it's time to bring this one out. Um, Ghostbusters is not just a comedy. It's an action comedy. And we need somebody who is used to being in action comedies because it takes a different type of actor. Uh, and we don't really have a face for the team yet. We don't, I think, have like a handsome, good-looking, um, but still intelligent and definitely witty. I think what we need is Brendan Fraser. Right. Okay. Uh, All right. All right. 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 Uh, we know he's got the quips. Just, right. We know he can do the stunts. He can almost ke- keep up with Jackie Chan. Not quite. Maybe he's like the American phony. <laughs> like he's our best Ghostbuster. We and see so who's hosting, like and then we're gonna throw Brendan Fraser out there just to get the host on our team. That's not true, Ryan. That's deeply I, cynical, Ryan. That is a deeply cynical take on my, on Brendan Fraser. I I actually don't think Fraser belongs here. 
I'll put him on the maybe pile. Uh, how about put him on? Career, how about put him on the mountain, Bucko? No, no I mean that's the last spot. We got to keep this tense. Okay. I see. I and wink. I see. Tense. Wink. <laughs> wink. If you're listening at home, but you can't see me, I'm I'm winking as I'm saying wink. And Ryan. Uh yeah no Mike I got this on lockdown uh the reason for Ichimama Tamian being in existence the reason that it's there is because teen movies are bullshit Alfonso Cuarón wanted something for his teens to watch who made teens teen movies bullshit uh, I believe his name is one something Stifler <laughs> Sean <laughs> William <laughs> Scott. This is not the movie we want to make. It's the movie that would be made in 2001. 2001 was the year that American Pie 2 So not came even out. Jason Biggs, the nope. Stifler guy? Stifler, <laughs> Stifler clubs on, and he is the fourth Ghostbuster for sure. And Chris Tucker is always screaming, but when he looks at Stifler, this is the most screaming. This is where the, <laughs> this is where the funny comes from. So this isn't even the Rick Moranis role. He is just a straight force. I was force. saving it, but I ran out of stuff. <laughs> All right. He's on the maybe pile. Speed round, Greg, what do you got? Uh, I have a few more. Can, can I do a few more? Rattle them okay. off because Ryan just admitted to so you. I, 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 got saying, I got more. Oh, okay. Uh, I, w- I was thinking this might be cheating, um, but Owen and Luke Wilson, I think as like a twosome. Together? Right? In, yeah. At, cheating. G- uh, bringing in a little <laughs> bit of that indie dynamic. I think we've got Blockbuster covered with, with some of our guys, but this is going to bring in a little bit of a different audience. You know, it's like maybe not your father's uh, Ghostbusters, maybe a little bit different. Weird take on speed round there, Greg. Ryan? I said that all as fast. That was two, though. <laughs> uh, not your father's take on Wilson. How about this shit? Wilson. It's Wilson from Home Improvement. Now he's the guy who is just all... <laughs> Greg, uh, the Spy Kids. Two thousand one was the year of the Spy Kids. Right. Ryan, uh, Eddie Murphy could definitely be on this team. Okay, so your Jack Black. mountain is uh, your mountain <laughs> is your Ghostbusters are Chris Tucker, Jackie Chan. What was the other one ben you said Stiller. was on there? Ben Stiller. Julia Roberts and your Rick Moranis has to be Jack Black. I'm going to take that role because Greg slipped it when I was already doing it. But it's dumb, so dumb of you guys for 2001 to not try to put Jack Black in this fucking movie. That is your 2001 Ghostbusters Rushmore. <laughs> when we come back, more E2, mama? Tambien. <laughs> Hola, Felterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month, don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, You could pay for ryan to draw you a picture Uh, i can write you a poem you can get the shirts off our very own backs all of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash your pop filter while you're on the internet you should check out shady monk he does all the tunes you've been listening to he's on bandcamp he's on spotify uh soundcloud wherever kids get their music these days that i'm too old to know shady monk lives there uh you can probably follow him on twitter and instagram as well that's shady monk wherever you get music 
Louisa forces the boys to think about how their sexual actions have consequences in the world. But what keeps Louisa from being just being a duende silo maniaco chica di ensueno? I'm sorry, Mike. What are you trying to trying to pull a? What are you trying to say? What keeps Louisa from being more than just a manic pixie dream girl? All right. Well, I would say that there's a couple of things. Um, Mike. For that excellent Spanish. <laughs> yes. Congratulations. <laughs> um, I think that a lot of the time uh, that we need the manic pixie dream girl to be magical and to introduce magical things that should not exist in their lives until they do, until she brings them. And these are all basic fucking nonsense that she introduces their lives that they like that is revolutionary like brush your teeth yeah wash your hands for 20 seconds like it uh, these things are totally fine like this is just how you live your life and then also she does not get off on those in the moment right like mm-hmm. it's not like she had we we never see her wings and i think that's very she, important i mean she's not just a manic pixie dream girl because like the title of the movie suggests She's their mom as well, like, and because that's one of the roles uh, Ryan, of women Ryan. in, uh, really, in every society that I can tell. I think he is particularly critiquing Mexican society, but I, I think that there it moves out from there pretty effectively. But like, she is not just like on a sexual adventure with these boys; she's fucking raising them. She's teaching yeah. them how to treat women. She's teaching them how to like to maintain like their own friendship, although. Mm-hmm. That doesn't obviously really make it out of this. She might know that too, though. And that's okay. Yeah, I think it's okay to not. You don't need life. Like, lifelong friends are very important. Those can be magical. But just because you're friends with somebody in high school doesn't mean you have to fucking remain friends with them forever. But, like, I I think that she can also see that, like, oh, you guys, we're about to go through a thing that, like, I don't know if your like alpha likings are going to go through you know like uh you guys are gonna go through some things where you're probably gonna break up uh because of uh, that's not my fault the and and then like in addition to raising them like in the whole madonna whore thing she's also in the back third of the movie she's holding kids constantly like people are constantly telling her oh my god what a good mom you would be or you should be or you will be and she has to be like Oh yeah, no, I agree. Even though I know I'm about to die, and you don't know because that. it's tragic. She's, yeah, because she's dying. She's literally dying there, but also because at this point in her life, if she were not literally dying, she would also be going through the figurative death of now. You are leaving, being a young woman, a maiden, and now you are going to be just a mom forever. Like, mm. they, like whether she wanted that or not. I mean, if you think about it, it's rude to for that woman to say to her, "You should be a mom," because you shouldn't say that to a woman because you never know why she's currently right, not, not a mom Maybe it seems like such a like tumors. a genuine organic thing of, to say to yeah. somebody like oh my god you're amazing with my kids you should be a mom but no instead it's it's fucking rude and it's you could dicey. just, stop. You could just it's say a you're form amazing of, with kids and move yeah on. <laughs> but it's a form it's it, it really is like a form of violence and it's a form of pushing women to accept that role and so she would be experiencing that kind of death anyway i if she doesn't get her her cancer diagnosis diagnosis Maybe she just stays with this jerky dude who, like, right. she knows cheats on her on the reg. But she's realized, like, 
shit, I have like three months left. I'm going to do go party something different yeah <laughs> reclaim something that and i missed. I do here. think that also makes her one i feel like an idiot because only right now because you said it uh did i get that she's their mother too it's not just the insult that they yell at each other I yeah your girlfriend and your mother uh it's they also ha- they I, have I to be she's... everything and the the mother too to these men because she's a mom to fucking her her husband that she's leaving yeah She's like, don't take your shirts here. This is where the key is. Right. He doesn't, Even he doesn't as know how to manage his freaking life. She's yeah. like giving him chores and how to do things. But I think she's also not a manic pixie dream girl. One, she arcs more than anybody else in the film. Uh, yeah, she does. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, against my better judgment. And uh, because she's dying, there, there's a reason so often the manic pixie dream girl, the, the reason it's derogatory is because that character has no purpose but to serve the protagonist. Yes. But I think you could argue she's a bigger protagonist and all of her actions make sense because she's on her way out. Right. This- so it, it, it it's much more of a Stella got a groove back than uh, Garden State. This is this is Louisa's movie. In Garden yes. State, uh, Natalie Portman may as well be a Maltese Falcon, right? Like mm-hmm. that's just that's just a thing that like we can chase and talk about. Whereas yeah. this is Luisa's movie, that's how it all changes, and it like it all makes sense. Like, uh, you know, like there's no reason. Wh- typically, in these manic pixie dream girl movies, there's no reason why they would ever do any of the things that they do, except for the fact that a dude wrote these movies. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> this makes sense. Like for Luisa to be like, I'm fucking fuck Yano, fuck my husband. Uh, I'm gonna go off with these two people. That seems like something that a dude would pitch as far as like, will you make this movie? But when you watch the actual movie, it's like, no, you know what? I get it. You know, like this does feel like a whole like last celebration. And that that like twist, because you don't know it the whole movie is perfect because from when she meets them and they're being so creepy at the wedding at like Tenuch's family's wedding and they're like, oh, you're my cousin's wife and get creepier after they learn that. You're like, why would she go with them? And then at the end, she was like, oh, she died. You're like, oh, for sure. I would have done that too. I get it. <laughs> like, yeah, there are the, the movie. The, this is one of those movies that does not hold your hand. You like have mm-hmm. to, when you see that small clip where she's at the doctor, you have to be like, okay, remember this. This is going to be important <laughs> because there's not, there's not many callbacks to it, but it explains right. so much of what she's doing. Even more than that, uh, there's a scene right after that, or like not directly after that, but like soon after that, where she's on a bed with the folders, like the, you know, like folders full of information that shows that she has terminal cancer, mm-hmm. and she starts crying, and we're supposed to think it's because Yano called her and said I cheated on you, and she's like, oh my god, my entire world. She doesn't care right. at all. Yeah. She is just going I thought those so were documents about his cheating yeah. <laughs> when I first saw the movie. The detectives I've hired also figured that out, but no, she doesn't fucking care. Like, this was a guy, and like this is another thing that the movie is trying to make clear the entire time, is that women are, are sort of, you know, purchasable, you know? Like, mm. women are sort of like, like, she was bought by Yano, like a lot of women in this movie are, and there's no emotional attachment. It's like, oh, this was a good thing that I could have done, but I don't fucking give a shit about this this prick in the white suit who gets wine spilt all over his suit. That doesn't matter to me. It's the terminal cancer. It's the trying to figure out exactly what life means, and I have so little time left. 
And so, I mean, she's got such a tragic story, really. She got yeah. so little. Like, she lost her parents. Her aunt was mean. Her aunt died. She had to get this job as a dental hygienist. Like, it's almost like she never happened. It's almost like she's one of these crosses on the side of the road where we never know what the story is about them and except for the narrator saying it to us right she was like almost never here she was only really here for a very very short time and we actually it's the time we see in the movie it is what it feels like do you do you think with her she being so much the catalyst for sex that means something more than just jokes from the two chuds is this an actual sex positive movie is the sex is the sex, actual sex in the movie, or does it mean something more? Yeah, this felt like one of those movies where maybe... I remember, Ryan, you said something that made a big impression on me, which is that in Eyes Wide Shut, everything in that movie is sex, except sex is not sex. And so then when I was watching this movie, it feels like during the movie that everything that's not sex is sex, but that maybe sex is not actually sex? Is that Does that track? Yeah, well, for sure. And like you can see it because she's dealing first of all she's dealing with children, right? And it's yeah, not yeah. just it, like <laughs> big time. It's not just that they like they, they don't last long because they're children. It's that they don't last long because of how selfish and immature they, they are. They don't give right? a shit. They don't like, care. Oh my god. Like their brain is taken over and then she's trying to help them mature for other women in the future, right? She hears them talk about how Yeah, it's like a they, sisterhood. Right. They, yeah. I hear She's how you, doing an act of service. <laughs> I hear how you guys talk about your girlfriends. I'm going to make it better for girls in the future as one of my, you know, 20 dying wishes right. is to make this better for them. So, like, that's part of it. But also, every time that they're talking and not, like, not having sex is like, God, God damn, does Alfonso know how to, like, spin a camera and yeah. hold a shot and just be like, like anticipation here, like we like everything is sexy as fuck. Mm-hmm. It's it's, it's it's it captures youth so much when they're all flirting and making dumb jokes or whatever. She seems to actually enjoy them when it's all jokes, but when they're actually fucking, she's like, "This is boring. I'm fine with it right. being done so early." She, I do think she gets off on their youth, and even though they suck as people, they're like verve for life. I right. think sex as a concept and as a as a as a topic of conversation often is more satisfying in real life than mm-hmm. actual sex is, which can be humiliating right. and awful and painful. And so and it, in a way, it's, just, it's the jaws theory of movies, you know, like, <laughs> like sex is the shark in this movie, you know, like as long as we don't see the shark, then it's fucking scary as shit or sexy as shit in this. movie. I do have to say it is a little disappointing never to get any very good sex in the movie. Cause there is such a thing as good sex. Like, Sex can also be non Sex get out of here with that shit. Sex can also be sexy. I wonder if either one of these guys ever did grow up in the movie, like to be, you know, a a, a, a caring, considerate lover as a result of this. It, it feel, maybe it's in his face, or maybe it's because I've seen him in other movies. But I feel like that. I feel like Julio has potential to grow into that. But in not uh-huh. does ten inch. Ten, like Diego Luna today looks as young as he did then. There's no yeah, way that he that. ever learned how to have sex. There's no fucking way. <laughs> you know, you can be too attractive to yeah. ever fully learn how to be good at sex. Mm-hmm. John Ham, suck it. <laughs> yeah, to be, to be that beautiful and obviously have what is what is a big hog. You just never really, you just never really develop the skills, right? And I'm sorry for 
like to Hollywood that we just ruined John Hamm's career. John Hamm's gonna listen to this and be like, oh, and then that's it. He's done. Am I not good at sex? <laughs> what do you want to? What do you want me to say? Uh, we have to take Malia? a break, but when we come back, Malia trivia. <laughs> hey guys, thank you so much for listening so far. And let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com. And it's everything you need that's related to Pop Filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way we get a little piece of the action and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show, that's Movie of the Year, and that's yourpopfilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review, bye! Trivia. That, of course, means it is trivia. Plus, I don't know why we need the robot. I just said it was going to be trivia. So, gentlemen, the rules are simple, but the game is hard. I will ask a question. When I'm finished, you will ring in with your name. Whoever is quickest will be the one to answer. If you get it right, you get a point, and your opponent will then get a chance to steal, and then we will move on. Because in this, being quick is a good thing. Yeah, you each get a minute and twenty eight seconds to answer each question. Just a lot so you of times, if you can f- if you can finish a task very quickly, actually, it's pretty impressive. So yeah, that's just what something to keep in mind. All of my quote unquote partners have told me <laughs> they've never known anybody to finish as quick. <laughs> question the first: What movie poster is hanging in Tenich's room, hinting at the older woman younger man romance? Ryan, Greg, Ryan, Harold E. Maud. Ryan. It is Harold and Maude, and that's definitely something I did not notice until this viewing. A little bit of a different age difference, though. <laughs> is it? What's unique to the music in the film? Greg. Greg? It's all voices. It's just vocal. Just vocal music. Mm, you are so close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like throat singing? T- <laughs> Ryan? Just what? like, beep bop boop bop ba dee bop Ryan. Ryan? It's all where it's like inside of the movie? Yes, it is all inside the movie. It's all diegetic. Diegetic and not non-diegetic. It's all what they're listening to. What's the silliest thing you can say when you come? Ryan. Greg. Greg? Oopsie poopsie. (laughs) Okay, that's pretty silly. Ryan? I don't like Hamlet. (laughs) <laughs> okay, that would be so. I was looking for Ooh Mamacita, but you know what? With that, Greg. I think I would rather hear I don't like Hamlet than Oopsie Poopsie. <laughs> <laughs> How many feral hogs attacks their campsite? Ryan. Greg. Greg. 27. Ryan. Lower or higher? <laughs> Under. 24. It's 23. Ah! It's 23 feral hogs. Did the internet blow up a little too much over that tweet? Greg. Greg. 
A little bit because uh, like a month after that, a woman was literally killed by feral hogs in the same area. So like that's actually a big problem and hogs do get very big. So like (laughs) kind of maybe we were like a little harsh on that dude when feral hogs are actually killing people. Ryan. Uh, That woman's death is the funniest. (laughs) Ryan, do you have a counterpoint? I do. Um, We that was right around the time that the movie Phone Booth was filmed and uh sure where the main character did not wear pants and the only feral hog i want to see is colin Farrell's hog he's got a large penis what is one of mike's favorite viral tweets greg greg that one about cars too with the beans <laughs> i forgot about that one. <laughs> <laughs> right that might be like the best tweet. That might be the best tweet uh, like of all time. Uh, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. Uh, where Colin <laughs> Farrell was filming phone booth and had it didn't wear pants and he had such a big penis. I'll get. Uh, I don't remember that tweet, so I'll give this one to the Cars two one. Uh, I was thinking the moon's haunted. Tweet <laughs> <laughs> uh, is the moon in fact haunted? Ryan, Greg, Ryan. Uh, uh, indeed, it is. Ryan. Goddamn ghosts up there. <laughs> What's the name of the inhuman city on the moon? Ryan. Ryan? Adelon. Ryan. Adelon. Who does Mike think young Diego Luna looks like? Greg. Greg? Y- yourself. No, come on. Ryan. <laughs> Ryan? Black and Garbled again. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Tom Holland. It's it, He looked... Tenet, I can see that. Tenich looks crazy Tom Holland there. That's man. a good call. Very good call, Mike. Thank you. I will get the point for that one. <laughs> well earned. Where is Adelan located? Ryan. Greg. Ryan. The moon. No, Greg, be more specific. Dark side of the moon, Mike. Ooh, it is the blue area of the moon is what we were looking for. How many of Kiran's movie have we watched for Roma? Ryan. <laughs> what? <laughs> Ryan, 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 Ryan. Ryan? It's two. It's Roma in this one. Damn it. Really sorry for that Ryan. one, Greg. It happens. <laughs> that was a Ron Burgundy moment, dude, for sure. Uh, we've been drinking all day. What's the first film by Kiran Mike saw? Greg. Greg. Ryan. Uh, that Harry, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. No. Ryan. Ryan. Children of Men. It's a little princess. Yeah, you are. What's the best cured feral hog meat? Greg. Greg? The cured feral hog meat. Uh, sausage. Hell yeah. Ba- everybody Yay. loves bacon. Sausage is underrated. You should be able to ring in if you don't know what the answer is. Well, you have to ring in quick, Ryan, because you, we, the, the audience doesn't want to sit here and listen to us think. Great. So yeah, if you don't know good that, point, Craig. <laughs> audience hates thinking. If you could only eat one flavor of jerky from now on, what would it be? Ryan, Greg, Greg, teriyaki. Ooh, Ryan. Yeah, you're hitting a lot of the notes that you need. It's one of the sweeter. It's sweet and savory. You know, it's you're getting a lot of range there. Mm, if it's Ryan. the only one you're ever gonna have. Counterpoint. Jalapeno. No, Greg, Greg is right there, man. It's teriyaki all day. Teriyaki what? sucks. Teriyaki fucking sucks. 
Okay, Ryan, you don't take it like a man. You don't have to start saying mean things. Would Julio and Tenoch like the Jerky Boys? <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> Ryan? Uh, Mike, I have it on full authority that nobody likes the Jerky Boys. The answer is <laughs> Greg, no. Greg, 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 Greg. Yes, of course they would. Nobody right. likes them except for stupid idiots. Yeah, yeah they're stupid idiots. Uh, final question of trivia. Are the Jerky Boys overrated? Greg. Greg? This is a hard one. Look, I guess not, because I don't think anybody... I mean, the, everybody thinks they suck. I guess I hate that I know who they are. I hate that I know they existed. Yeah, it should only be Crank Yankers. We should only know yeah, of the Crank, crank Yankers. Crank Yankin' for life. Hey there, jerky. <laughs> I'm, test- I'm testing you right so, now. So Greg said no. Ryan. Ryan counterpoint, yes? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is E2 Mama Tambien. Trivia. Oh, I'm getting a note from the board that uh, I've been saying the name wrong because I confuse its syllables with E2 Brute. So it's not like E2 Mama Tambien. It's it's like a E2 sentence. Mama Tambien. Got it, got it. E2 Mama yeah. Tambien. Okay, I'll take that note. Uh, when we come back, more conversation about E2 Brute. Well, that is very, very funny. Or very sad and perhaps now you have something to think about or very problematic and perhaps we have something to think about but in any event i'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to so why not check us out on the social media you can go to instagram or twitter and find us at your pop filter email contacts at your pop filter hey everybody keep watching them movies taste buds your final long question of the evening Alfonso Curon already had a Hollywood career at this point. Why did he feel the need to return to Mexico and make a Spanish-language film? Oh, man. Greg? Right. I think uh, because it is such a richer, more multidimensional place than Mexico in, I think, kind of the global understanding but even in the american understanding like we live next to such a a uh impressive cultural place and yet i think we have like very reductive ideas of them as as a monolith and um as not a very like complicated stratified society and so this provides it, it well, there's like Speedy Gonzalez. Yeah, right? Like, I mean... And then there's... <laughs> like, things that are deeply offensive, really. Yeah. Yeah, like, there's like a, there's there's very lazy people, and then there's like very fast mice. And that's like, that's sort of all we knew. That the, the, those Bad are the guys Mexican and a lot of characters. Westerns? Yeah, basically. But like, even that was not around at this point, you know? Like, right. that was not mainstream. And so it's like, you know, I... I I really hesitate to do the whole love letter to a place, but because it's not really necessarily a love letter to Mexico, actually. It's kind of more like a, I want to show you... A true letter? A what? Yeah. A true letter. Yeah, true like, letter. I want to show you how right. awful, but how splendid this place is. Human? Because it's absolutely... Look at three, how three-dimensional yeah, it is. Yeah, and, and like... There was... He got a... they Both of them, like or both the Quaron brothers, the screenwriter and the director, got a ton of shit of, like, why would you show Mexico like this? Like, why would you put this on film? And basically what they were saying is, like, why would, like, if, if, if you're going to make this big movie that's going to go out to the rest of the world, why would you put, like, the shittiness of Mexico on film? 
as like, as if to say like it all has to be yeah. propaganda. Like every movie in every country has to like show how great that, a country is. That's the only reason. That's what people it. said to like, that's not, Dostoyevsky. That's what people said to Zora Neale Hurston. Like people are like you can't render a people. You can't render a place without showing how it is like both the the place of like godliness and the and absurdity because then it won't be a real rendering of that place. You don't owe it to anybody to like only portray right. the ver- like what's only wonderful about Mexico. There's no value in capturing that. The other thing too is that uh, I think that you know like it, it, directors and screenwriters don't have to be the characters that they're portraying right like right. it's not like there it's not like this is what we believe but sometimes i think there's a little bit of jealousy you know like you you may have a little bit of jealousy of uh, uh luke skywalker going out and like fighting all of you know these bad guys i feel like that there's a little bit in corone who was like at this point like 40 had a kid was married and wanted to tell the story of these two dudes and was tired of like the american pies but also had a little bit of jealousy and wanted to do that thing as well. And you can feel that in the filmmaking is if I, if, if I, I, if I move this out of Hollywood, if I go to Mexico and do this, I will experience the freedom that they had. And mm. the movie feels as free mm. as they do. You know, you made like, me make me pie sounds. Right. Of course, that's there, the point. There, there's so many, there's so many scenes in this movie that could have been done. Maybe not in like a, uh, a warehouse in the Warner brothers back lot. But like would have been at some point Santa like, Anna, of, uh, <laughs> Santa yeah. Anna that like feels like this but isn't. And he was like, "No, let's fucking go. Let's fucking do this." You know, there's one where I think where they're talking about the the rules of being a chalastra. Uh-huh. You know, and there's like the camera is just driving next to them the entire time, and you can feel the crew. You can feel the filmmaking crew as free and as road trippy as the characters on the road trip. Right, you know? like everyone the the crew the actors the characters and the audience were all fucking going on this thing and there's nothing false about it and that that's that's what would right. if if he made the movie the critics wanted to make that was just like look how great mexico is and it would just be american pie mexico style and what a forgettable shallow movie to 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 fill it with having america pie on top and having real substance as the filling of the pie to keep this going, like create creates. This, I love the analogy. This thing you can return to again and again. Where if it was just a true quote unquote love letter, it would be so so vanilla and boring, and we wouldn't want to talk about it. Right and now. I mean, it reminds me of like like um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's a love letter to 1969 Hollywood, and it shows what a fucked up, shallow, stupid, awful place it is. On top of being a place that has a lot of its own style of beauty. I mean, it, it, and so it you you are trying to capture that three dimensionality, and it can still honestly be a love letter. Roma is supposed to be a love letter, and it, it also it, it deals with even darker things than this does, perhaps. And like, there's two things going on here. One is all the things that Quran wants to show, because I'm an artist and a poet and a director, and I'm doing a million things at once, and I want to show how this beautiful country, this country has so much beauty and so much like so many dimensions, and then also has cars getting pulled over at gunpoint, and also has these, you know, uh, all of this trash everywhere. You know, it could, like, and even worse these, than that, like, it has big fucking predatory corporations moving in and just like pushing people right. out of the place where they live. Which, when you go through Mexico, 
you see the remnants of a lot of that because a lot of those projects don't even make it to completion. They just, which I think they say in the movie about this one, they push them off the land and then don't even get the hotel completed. Like, <laughs> right. And so, but like, just like, uh, so it's all the stuff that Quran wants to say, but also no matter what, whatever Quran wants to say, that will dissipate, you know, and we're going to turn the movie into whatever we want as time goes on. But it was still filmed in 2001. Now we have this time capsule of exactly yeah. what it looked like in 2001 without him avoiding the, the, the gross parts or like the nice parts. He, he, he filmed all of it. Mm-hmm. And now Mexico is forever captured in 2001. And honestly, I, wouldn't, right. I was like, I would go to Mexico sometimes as a teenager to hang out. And it honestly, a lot of it reminds me of the places we went in mexico because you didn't always go to the richest areas sometimes you went to poor beachside communities because that's where your teenager american money would go the farthest and it it's it seems well rendered to me like chewy's place that that place right on the sand i was in a place like that in 99 and it was exactly like that and hey motherfucker like all the money that you want to spend on getting my money to or your all the money that you want to spend on getting my movie to like only pay the best uh, Mexico that there is. How about this? Fix other parts of Mexico, right? Like, stop telling people to only show the best parts. Right. Like, you should be stoked to sh- like, and it's all no matter what, it's all gorgeous the entire time. Yeah, it, it's beautiful. It's just the characters look shitty, and it's the edges and what why that works. I think why any not satire but political commentary works is because it filmed in two thousand one, made in nineteen ninety nine, or it takes place in nineteen ninety nine, and it's about seven decades of this party ruling before Fox brings in the opposition and, and starts to change and upgrade Mexico. And obviously, because we're even more in the future, we know things continue to change and get better and worse in different ways since then. But I, I do think he is poking the establishment, the old establishment in the eye on purpose. But if he, that would be a boring movie. If it was just like, look at how this party who ruled it would be nothing. Mexico for like so we long. wouldn't, we would yeah. not have, we would not have like seen it initially. We wouldn't have known that we should include it in this show. It would yeah. be nothing mm-hmm. at all instead of this, which is like a staggering artistic achievement. Never would have, never would have hit yeah. our radar. What, what does Kieran do to make the film being a road movie important, not just to the story for the characters, but thematically as well? I think that like driving into the middle of Mexico, you know, like going from where they are to where they end up and like us seeing how, you know, we think that uh, Julio is is poor. Mm. But as we drive in, we see what poverty is actually like. I think that's very important. And it's that thing we were talking about earlier, that interior of the car versus the exterior of the world that they're moving through. They manage to basically like capture the atmosphere of their Mexico City homes and sort of bottle it up inside that car. And it allows them Mm. to sort of lose themselves and not attend to what they see, which is like a staggering, startling amount of poverty. Which, yeah, I think that like, yeah, I think the thing that like, backs both of those things up is that just like this is the game of life like literally the board game of life in the car is just that like you're constantly moving you have to decide what you're going to look at but it's 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 moving non-stop you know like like it's we're always going forward and you have to decide when you turn off the road and deal with things which they do you know like, and they don't know they, and they, i think also the element of like they literally don't know where they are going but they have like mm-hmm. invented a place and then that is the place they they end up in the end, I mean... That feels like growing <laughs> up. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, no matter even if they are different classes, they end up... Everything does work out fine for them as individuals. 
And so it's still couched in privilege. We made up heaven's mouth. We went on this sex romp. We didn't think would happen, but it was a sex romp. Sure, we learned and things got hard, but we ended up at the place we made up and everything was kind of fine, even though we drove through a lot of craziness. So they still weren't touched by the real craziness going on, right? I don't know, because it feels like what you see at the very end of the movie is two kind of broken people. I mean, maybe that's a very negative way of looking at it, but they kind of seem broken to the bit of society. They have done the things they said they wouldn't do. They have made the concessions they said they wouldn't make, and they both seem fucking miserable. Um, you know, one of them refers to his current like wife as like a princess. Like, it, it, it seems kind of like they ended up in the nightmare scenario of... Isn't that just being 20, though? Because it's not, like, years and years later. It is, like, a year later from their trip. But, yeah, I mean, like, I've heard I've heard stuff that were, like, they were these alpha dudes, and then they did this incredible, like, they did this homosexual thing, and then now they can't look at each other anymore, and they broke their alphaness. And then I've heard other readings where it's, like, um, they reached their peak. Like, they peaked at... 17 mm-hmm. and now it's all downhill like you, you you get to your fantasy and then now all you have left is adulthood and that's why they're sad the only reason that they're sad is because they only have maturity to deal with i'm I, not sure to me I don't it know. seemed I, like they took the subtext of their relationship and they made it the text of their relationship and it just couldn't survive that that in the end it in the end what they what the movie is saying is that we do need some lies to protect us because it is very hard to stand in the 100% unvarnished truth or we have to repair society so that the truth can be fully expressed because there is also hanging over this they have this gay friend that like yeah yeah and that part of their life has been expunged right like he became a queen yeah but they they, it's so they talk about him fondly yeah but they're like, oh, but he doesn't hang Yeah, out. exactly. And he gets kicked out of his house. like, And he gets kind of removed from them because you just don't see him in the movie. He gets kicked out of his own house. There's punishment for homosexuality. Very realistic in this society. And I don't think that they could be with each other literally and face that. They ha- they would ha- That would mean giving up everything. Like if you are going to embrace your homosexuality, you don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to go to fucking law school because it's going to cost you most likely mm-hmm. at that time, 2001 Mexico, it's going to cost you a lot. It's going to cost you your place. Uh, uh, it's going to cost you your family. It's going to cost you the place you live. It might cost you your education. So they can't. Oh, continue. Speed no. They can't continue. <laughs> Sorry there, Greg. That's what speed round uh, does, Mike. That's how speed round goes. I know. Just about, oh, what are I think equally as important. What are our Chalarastra rule, manifesto rules when we travel together? Um, only oh, all food must be burrito shaped. <laughs> That's a big one. That's a good uh, one. on your right. on your way back to wherever you're staying. You have to work out the bathroom order. Like okay, and we have to be real right. with each other. Everybody who has to go first shift and who can go second and who can go third shift. I should always go last because it will be 40 minutes. <laughs> and I'm glad we know that. I, I would love one more rule from each of you. Uh, okay. Of course, um, the black cherry yogurt is for me. The rest of the yogurts can be divided amongst yourselves. I love black cherry yogurt, though. I hate that rule. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't have voted it into the ruledom. <laughs> 
I was inebriated. Greg, one more rule. I'm not giving a point to the chair rule. I hate one more rule is that uh, on the road trip, everyone's allowed to just hang out in their underwear and undershirts because that's road trip rules. Greg, that is very <laughs> true, especially if you're our friend Tompkins, <laughs> who takes full advantage of that rule. So much hairy belly. <laughs> is it time to pick Kieran on a very short list of this podcast's favorite directors? Yeah, I part of the experience of this podcast is I've been like. I, I don't have like favorite a favorite director, so like I get to maybe choose one. And uh maybe one is choosing himself because honestly, this guy might go back like two time back to back uh movie of the year champ. So Mike has Guillermo del Toro and I have Benicio <laughs> del Toro. And Greg, you think this is gonna this be, gonna your be guy? my guy. It's gonna be the one. I think so. I mean I I, I don't know. Like uh, I think about Roma so much because that was such a good movie and since i like saw this movie basically it was on for like five minutes and i was already getting like so hyped about just watching the rest of it and talking about it like as far as movie of the year goes mike who's the person i go off on just as far as movie of the year goes i can't say bombach pt paul thomas anderson right yeah it's probably be the pt okay have we done that many of his movies we've done just Magnolia. One. We just talk about other movies we haven't watched for this show. Like no, we've done two. We did Boogie oh, Nights. Oh, yeah, Boogie Nights. And Boogie Nights. And in a future season, we might All get right. another one of the biggies. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I love teases that I'm confused by. <laughs> That's a new character called Teasy Gray. Gray. <laughs> Sorry. I recently, as I said on Twitter, I saw a Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I have become sexual. <laughs> but- all right, but I, I would say that PTA is mine, and Greg, you've got one now. Mike, who is yours? Have we done any McG movies? <laughs> All right. What's a nice speed <laughs> round question? What is the vision of young manhood we get in this movie? You know what? I think that like this is a movie that... I think that movies either uh, show how young manhood is spectacular and hilarious, like 100% joke victory, or... Awful, awful, awful. And I think this is a good movie to show, like, now it's pretty terrible, but adorable in its way, you know? So, yeah, it's neither condemning or commending it, but do you think it's I think it, young men worldwide, or is it restricted to young oh, men? Oh, I think it is. I think it is at least Western society. I think it's most young men. I think it's showing that um, there is not really a big distinction in young male friendships between, like, a heterosexual... Right love of friends and a homosexual love and that you know because think about what they're even when they are not like masturbating together they're always playing grab ass and that's so true young boys are always tussling and rolling all over the ground together there's less of a divide it, in there than i than i think that we acknowledge most of the time it's the use of the f word yeah too. like yeah. The amount that the they effort because them. they act they because they the they know that they are experiencing gay feelings and so to like police that I in know. themselves, <laughs> like our dads would hate if I uh, uh, you if I called you yeah. this you know like it's it seems like the ultimate insult even though that like I do kind of like you guys I kind of like you both very attractive uh, connected to that are we all actually best friends even though we never jerked off while laying <laughs> on diving boards. <laughs> That's a good question. I'm going to say, you know what? No, we are not best friends because we've never done it. Right. I mean, I guess we're going to change I, the our rules I, for our manifesto. I, I got to say, I want to say that you've never seen three limper dicks on a diving board than the three of us <laughs> laying next to each other trying to jerk off. I 
I can't even pee in front of people, man. <laughs> it's not even a near thing. Like I don't, I don't know how they just how they got to this course of action, but <laughs> that's their own special little just thing. saying women's names at each other till they come like that. Is, that is interesting. Is this movie doing more than just rich friend has lower cr- class friend when it comes to looking at class? Yeah, and I think that's what we've talked about, which is at first you think it's rich friend, poor friend, and then as soon as you get out of the city, you're like, oh, no, those guys are pretty similar. <laughs> those guys are pretty much the same class. Yeah, because we drive straight into the middle of poverty, like mm-hmm. actual poverty, Real which poverty. makes which makes uh, Julio seem like upper middle class almost because of yeah. like the depths that we go to. But then at the same time, too, that they're, what, when we get to it, they're when they're screaming at each other, it's just like when you're different you will just scream differences at each other if you're angry you know like what's also interesting when they're screaming at each other is because uh tenoch calls julio a hillbilly and julio says this hillbilly is going to rip your head off but when he calls tenoch a yuppie tenoch gets real upset yeah so that's showing that class divide is upper class people really do hate being called upper class and he has to switch it to preppy no no no. i wonder that's whenever you're watching a translated movie that's when you have to start wondering like is there a little bit something i'm missing at the sides here i wonder if there were any sort of Mm -hmm. implications of of anything that one of them said to the other i really doubt hillbilly is very close to what was said because he wouldn't be a hillbilly he'd he'd be like um i don't know like a like a downtowner or whatever like you know i mean it it certainly wouldn't he doesn't live in a rural area so but but i mean it's this situation where like he he doesn't feel like a hillbilly unless tenoch calls him yeah You know, like, but I wonder if what he says to Tenoch doesn't also involve something effeminate or um, with the implic- yeah, like soft handed, yeah, something like that. Something, because yeah. when he then degrades it to to preppy, I imagine what he's really doing is taking off some of the stank of also making some sort of suggestion about his sexuality or, mm. or masculinity. Just how they just react, that, yeah. that's what that's what I'm guessing. But you know, ultimately, like that's you would have to like kind of Can't read know a, unless we yeah. Know <laughs> Are the people most responsible for the terminal cancer in this nation, Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks? I don't even know what that means, dude. Wait, what do you mean? Right. I think this question is related to that one. <laughs> es Mike un gran tanto que lira cualquier cosa que si le ponga delante? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Is Mike the fat panda that while he eats is in such a way where poop comes out of his butthole and if, you can see it? At the if same I time? understand that, it is true. Yes, Mike. Uh, from my understanding of what you have right. read, yeah, I liked Ryan's interpretation, but it's you grew up in Southern California. You should at least know enough Spanish that I think it's something like: Is Mike the kind of idiot who will just read whatever's put? In That's front what of it him? says. <laughs> That's what it says, and then he did right. Do you think group sex is ever fun? Movies always try to make the case that it's not actually fun, but it seems pretty fun. I'm so fucking tired of having movies titillate me with group sex and then teach me that it's actually not that cool. You know what? I think it's fucking cool. I think you just have to find your way. I think you just have to find your way through it. Is it awkward at first? I'm sure it is. Does it get si- just like yeah, sex? It's probably silly and it's probably weird and probably a bunch of odd stuff happens. But you know what? You're having sex with a bunch of people and I refuse to believe that's not rad. You guys, you guys formed a party like two weeks from now where my wife has to stay at home while me, Greg, Mike, and your two wives show up at this party. Is it going to be fun? Well, I think that party will be fun. I don't know if that's the party that should have sex. 
No, you guys said uh, uh, in the invitation, it was like, this is the group No, sex see, party. that's the thing. They, it can't be with like our respective wives, right? It's, but they're just two dudes. They hardly know this lady. Like there should they they shouldn't get feels so locked into it. They should just have a fun. Yeah. They should just have a fun time. They're three strangers. Well, two of them know each other. If you don't think that, if you don't think that these dudes are going to get the feels for that girl, then you've never been a dude, my friend. No, yeah, especially a nineteen year old. I mean, you have the feels for whoever gives you your change back at yeah. Burger King drive through. She is basically a fucking basket of bread on the ledge for a cartoon character who is homeless and sniffing the waves of that. That's what she Correct. said. That's the that's the thing that's ultimately so sad about this movie is like she's like you got excited about taking me on this trip so that you could screw me, and now I'm screwing you guys, and now you're upset, and that is really basically mm. that's all of like monogamy on a cultural level. Like boys make yeah. it happen, but then boys act like they don't really want it, and then boys get all they get their feelings hurt, even though we're supposed to be like the non emotional ones. So often, what, what is happening is boys are getting their feelings hurt. We get our he- feelings hurt all yeah. the time. And what is the thing that like the old like the thing that the, both of the dudes say as soon as the sex is over? I'm so yeah, sorry. Dude. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm, and you, please don't tell anybody. Please don't tell anybody. But I'm so so sorry. I'm so sorry. They should be too. They uh, fucking should be. Like, yeah, they, learn how to have sex with a woman or don't have sex with her. Like, if you don't know how Louisa to, Louisa kind of says, yeah, <laughs> like that is so rude to not like actually try to do a good job. Especially Tenoch. She was trying to make a really hot situation for Tenoch, and then he can't fucking like. Just play along, dick. Like what? Her face is so fucking funny, man. <laughs> Dude, when both times he's both bad times at eating she's her like, out, and then she's like, "Let's yeah. fuck," and then the whole time she's like, "Okay." It's ba- <laughs> like, when he's when he's so bad at eating her out, she's like, "Okay, I just gotta end this. Like, I gotta get out of this." <laughs> both times, her words are like, "No, no, it's okay." But she looks in the camera, yeah. Jim from the Office style, <laughs> like rolls her eyes, like oh, she's looking kid. forward Why? in the future to them as they're reflecting as older guys who yeah. finally know how to do sex potentially. All right, final question for the speed round: Should this movie have also been narrated by Alec Baldwin? Yeah, dude. <laughs> no, I love I love this narrator because I like how the sound drops out yeah. and then he talks, and it's like this. It really does feel like this grim reaper or like not even that, like Yuatu the Watcher, sort of like I know all <laughs> He over put even less you know? like stank and emotion on things than, than Alec Baldwin did, and that's exactly what yeah. those moments needed. The monotone. Yeah. I, I do and, wish the and, first and, time and like, it happened. It feels that... like it's Ryan. It feels like it's a backwards um fairy tale. Like where Royal Tenenbaums was supposed to be like, oh, take us away into this fairy tale. This guy was like this will never be a fairy tale. <laughs> I will never let you escape yeah. because death is right fucking there. We're in Mexico, motherfucker. And right over there yeah, and he, over there. He he lets you know, like, this feels like adapted from a book at times because of his narration where he just was like, and this, and this is this person's history. And he keeps going while they're driving. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, oh, I just learned the miniature history of this county they drove There's through. like a, a tweet or an idea that's been like repeated so many times is probably kind of meaningless at this point, but like that we don't really know what's going on with other people. And that's like a very simple concept made manifest in this movie where it's like, yeah, you don't know people's trauma. You don't know. Everybody has all these long roads right. they've traveled and you have no idea what they're like. And maybe that means you misunderstand them. And maybe it means you hurt them in ways you don't want to, but you're that's how it has to be. We have to ultimately not know each other because that's the only possible, like, that's just how it is. We don't. That is the end of Speed Round. When we come back, it's award season. 
Taste Buds E2 Mama Tambien was nominated for Best Original Screenplay and Best Foreign Film in the Golden Globes, but it did not win any Oscars. What was it won Best Golden Globe? What? What won Best Golden Globe for Best Foreign Movie? I don't know. But it didn't win, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't have phrased it that way. I just have the nominations. Holy smokes. Best screenplay for the Oscars. Best foreign film for the Golden Globes. Dude, these people have no idea what movies are good or not. No, they they really really don't. They're like, how golden is this globe? Honestly, I I I say three. Wonderful. I say four. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) I honestly feel like people who know less about movies would actually know way more than these people who are supposed to know everything about them. They make them, and they don't know what makes them good or bad. So we are going to give it all the awards, and then some it does deserve, starting with the Wish You Were Here Award. I believe this is the most beautiful scenic moment. Greg? I guess I'll go with probably what is the most normy answer possible, which is when they first get to the beach. That is is not the one that they call Heaven's Mouth, I don't think, but the one where they set up camp. And there's like those rocks out in the water and there's just no one around. And it's like they basically turned down this random road and just ended up at paradise. And it yeah. just feels like good for them. <laughs> yeah. And it, it just kind of it feels like a microcosm of the entire movie. You know, they're being as absurd and ridiculous and irresponsible as possible. But there's still this like sublime beauty. And the camera just soaks up the beauty of this beach. It's like. It really communicates it to you, the viewer at home. Ryan? Uh, no Man's Land from Bosnia and Herzegovina was the winner of the 2001 Golden Globe <laughs> for Best Foreign Film. I thought that was your submission for... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's wrong. Good, good, Very interesting answer, but you were wrong. Mine's a little uh, biased, I will have to admit. Um, I miss traveling, but I miss you guys. I haven't touched you guys in a long time. And ultimately, what that's going to come down to is the... I think the the final scene where it's one take of her and them getting very, very drunk and sitting at a table and ordering more shots and screaming at other tables. Uh (laughs) Yeah, that felt real. Chewy, blowjobs, right? (laughs) Great. Dude, you love blowjobs, right? And that reminded me of so many... Oh my god! Specifically, Future your bachelor trips. party, right? Like your uh, bachelor party, we had a guy that like gave us a tour on a boat. Yeah. Oh, we probably yelled such weird things at that too. We just kept yelling blowjobs, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Yes, I still think they're good. I don't. Please stop yelling." It's that just at me. my job to drive the boat. Please don't ask me about oral sex anymore. But like, <laughs> if I could pull the pull the curtain uh, out, uh, I would say that there has been many, many trips where the me and the uh, the middle of the sandwich has been Mike or me <laughs> or Greg on different trips and. <laughs> It depends on what city we were in, uh, who was in the middle, but I always know that it's the three of us, and it's it's the bar. It's that bar. Yeah. On the beach. In the I, sand. I, I love that. It is adorable. Uh, I want to give you a big hug that you will stiffen up and not enjoy because you don't actually like physical contact. Stiffen up because it's so warm. <laughs> but going to give that one to Greg because that beach, though. That beach, though. You're... Sexiest moment of the movie, Ryan. It's actually going to be the same thing. Um, yeah, I was going to say, can you use the same <laughs> moment for two? Uh, 
right after this scene is the threesome and it's crazy but um i do think that it's a little bit of like uh it's a it's it's a little bit of a denouement like it, we sort of already know what's going to happen and then she sort of goes away um yeah. but the three of them dancing and then also when diego is with her or with or i'm sorry when tenoch is with her or when julio is with her it's not super sexy but that dancing scene, that's when the three of them are just vibing as hard as possible. That's my award winner. Starting from her going to the jukebox and hitting play yeah. and then dancing back towards them. All of that. She gets up and goes to the jukebox and it's like she activates something over at the, yeah. the jukebox. And it, it like it 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 both crystallizes and changes the mood because it doesn't it's not a totally different mood, but it is a there's like a different energy to it. And it when she comes back, that moment is like I, I feel like part of what the the point of this movie is is that so much so many things are sexier than sex. And that moment is that's the consummation of the three of them. The, what happens after that, like you said, Ryan, that's the denouement. Like the sex is a foregone conclusion at that point. And honestly, we don't even see much of it. We see enough to know that yes, there is like the, a homosexual element to it to confirm that part of it and to sort of close that narrative loop. But the but, exciting uh, part, like the the fucking like the 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 chemistry part, yeah, is all, it's that dance for sure. Was that your answer as well? Then, yeah, like? that's mine too. I mean, that is that—that's the right. sexiest thing that happens in the whole movie. Well, because you've got to choose one, and he went first based on my decision. <laughs> Gets to that point, Greg. Cringe, the cringiest moment of the yeah. Film. This is—it's always a tough one because it's like sometimes this, like the movie, the point is that it's cringe, and I think right. that's definitely the case in this one. But they say the bad f word a lot, and uh, I kind of feel like um, this is like. I know this is an issue like with soccer. This word has persisted in soccer a lot and uh, is not sort of recognized as being homophobic by everybody. But, you know, the, the puta, I guess, is the word. Um, I, I think it's the point of the movie that, you, that you know, you shouldn't say this word. But still, so much of it, I did. It did make me cringe. Ryan. Yeah, I think that the, how often they say the, F, the, the other F word is integral. You know, like not only in the culture, but also in the ending. Um, and so like as much as it does make me cringe while watching it, like I do need them to be so homophobic in order to be ho- so homosexual at the end. I think what it actually is, is at, in the scene that I'm talking about, the bar scene, the most important scene in the movie, uh, it's when uh, Julio real quick was like, oh, I, I'm so sorry that I pushed you. And then uh, Madarbel Vadu is like, uh, "No, kiss me on the cheek, and it's okay." That's it. It's just like, no, you you shoved her, dude. You fucking yeah. shoved her, and just for her to be like, "No, you were angry," you know, just another angry dude shoving me. No matter what, it doesn't matter. Just kiss me on the cheek, and then it's all forgiven. No, fuck that. Mm-hmm. He, she got pushed. She got fucking shoved. That moment's interesting because she says, "You should be sorry." You should be. Yeah, no. She, and then he forgives him because he's young, I guess, like, or because she just is like, I want to fuck. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, it isn't interesting because, like, it does feel like the core of Louisa is like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, but, but see, that's what this movie does. It's like, here is someone who's super complex. Like, she's saying in yeah. one moment, like, what you did, you can't be forgiven for. And then in the very next second, she's like, okay, but I forgive you with just a small little kiss, which has its own, like, sort of ugly signifiers because that's folks folks act like yeah (laughs) and also if i hold him to this this push then that means that like so do we end our adventures that's not how movies work you know 
am I going to get it in then? I mean, you know, you're playing with fire there. I think because of uh, Greg's years is so integral to the plot, it is less cringy. Right. That has to go to Ryan. The performance, <laughs> pound for pound of the film. Is this me again? First Greg, piece? yes. Um, it's got to be, you know, it's obviously three different, like, virtuoso performances. But uh, for me, it's... Chewy is there. All right. Oh, Brad, yeah. Also, <laughs> sorry for... Chewy. Chewy. Uh, well, you're not going to say, uh, what is it, Salva? No, what, the, Saba? the Stony Friends? Saba? No, Saba <laughs> did not do stoner culture any any favors no. with that performance. Um, although he is like he is like a spiritual shamanistic character, and he does end up leading them to where they're going. It's not rational because the shamanistic is not rational. So, but he does get them there. Like he gets them to the place they want to go by because they follow his directions, even if they don't follow yeah. them correctly. But anyway, uh, you know, it's it's going to be one of the three of them. For me, it's her, Maribel Verdu. Uh, I think she. There was is just, no way that it's not. Yeah. Like, uh, no way. Yeah. It it has to be. She is the the level of complexity, and maybe it's she is older, so her character is more complex. But she's doing so much with that character. Very true. Yeah, so many layers. I mean, you know, so much of this is about the surface and what's beneath, and she actually shows that that's like not really a dichotomy. <laughs> there's different mm-hmm. like there's different depths weight beneath the surface as well. And what's crazy is uh, the FYC moments are the boring ones. Like when yeah. they go to look at her, like changing, like they uh-huh. like sneak a peek in the hotel room, the, the, and she's just bawling. That's not it. It's when she is just trying to remember that, oh, I'm a teenager having fun, and I'm not dying. And you watch that happen. It's so funny. They go to see her naked, and they really do in a completely different way. She's okay see with her seeing naked. her body. Point, point. <laughs> <laughs> is Ryan yelling points? Yeah, we're getting ready. <laughs> we're just excited for the scoring. Your final award for the evening, gentlemen, is Greg's favorite director's yeah. signature moment. Starting with you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go back, man. Like, I don't want to be a fucking uh, Pete or Reed Johnny Pete, One scene. But- I don't want to be a Johnny One scene. I think here, Ryan might but... have Johnny One scene this movie. He only watched one scene in the whole movie. He just happened to pick the most yeah. important scene. My DVD was very broken. I got a DVD from Netflix, as I do, right? That's how you guys watch of Netflix, course. right? DVDs in the Forever. mail. Yeah. I still have Mad Men Season 1, Disc 3, and they are mad about it. <laughs> but no. Uh, sh- sh- stop. Shut up. Uh, I've... <laughs> I watched a lot of uh, behind the scenes documentaries and they were like this scene will never work. We'll never we don't know how to do this. Like it's it's just broken. It just fucking sucks. And then they came up with a couple of ideas. First idea, uh practice it for 2 days before they shoot it with actual alcohol. So they had all three actors get shit wow. for 2 nights in a row as hard as they could having real conversations and then the third night record it for reals trying to pretend like what it was like those other two nights. And then just before that, somebody was like, you know what? This is stupid if we like edit. One shot, man. One shot. And that's what Alfonso Cuarón became famous for, is this one shot like car chases and, uh-huh. you know, oh, go, guns are shooting, whatnot. One shot, one shot, one take. It's this. It's the fucking bar scene. It's, it's, it's her going to the jukebox, looking directly into the camera. Mm-hmm. Walking back to is the Is that table, the only time that's then, ever worked? 
I really feel like that works, and it has camera. Yeah, look. I've never. I mean, I guess we have seen a few different movies now that utilize that, but it. I usually I find that jarring, and I do not like it. Uh, I liked it quite a bit in this scene, though. Well, because what it did in this scene is it put us fully in the seats of Tenoch yeah. and Yulio, and you're like, oh, if if for whatever reason you didn't get it before, you Just get it. You were not <laughs> into her before, yes. Yeah, it's like when she turns around and then looks into the camera. It's like she changes the entire energy of like the mm-hmm. whole atmosphere, the entire movie. It's like you feel it as soon as she turns around, and then that takes you through like the next five minutes. And what they were trying to do was like bridge gaps of like uh go go from like sixties French movies to two thousand and one Mexican movies, right? Like right. Let's bring that all together. But what, what they're actually doing is like let's bring sexuality from everywhere to anywhere like you know like this is all just hot you know like everything that you guys are trying to do like it's you guys are firing on all pistons right now also uh, another thing i like about this this scene and this shot is that one shot scenes always feel like they're being stunt filmed it's always like Mm -hmm. can you believe we are pulling this off in one shot but they make you know they They, make you want you to know but this does not you feel it without knowing that right. you're feeling it you really do yeah. feel it but you are not intellectually aware that it's going on in a way that i i don't think any other like long shot really has that in feeling fact, i remember the piano teacher can, you feel the long shots in that you're aware yeah. they feel um hostile to he you. wants you to yeah he wants you to be he like tortured. Yeah. but like i can see like this getting the like the most quran award because this sort of ruined him. Like this, this shot got so much pub accolades. Yeah, that like now he has to do this in every movie. But this was this was his best one. This is better than the Children of Men one, which probably gets talked about more. Uh, I do, Greg. What is, are you doubling down and saying? Obviously, it's this bar scene. Or yeah, I mean, it, the only other thing I could think it would potentially be would be he loves shooting people as they go into water and then dropping the camera under the water and then coming back up and everything he does the the going into the water is exactly like what he does in Roma as well but clearly it, it it's this one scene this one shot that like yeah. kind of made his name uh t- long shots right. uh this is 7 minutes long this scene wow. yeah. the bar scene is, that is in scene minutes that is a thousand even the extras have crazy. a lot of acting to do over that seven minutes like even that is yeah. tough yeah. like to, to to maintain that for seven minutes they have to know when to look over and when not to look over they could blow that whole scene right at the end by mm-hmm. reacting too quickly that is your awards for e2 mama tambien we are going to take a final break and when we come back who won the night? And how will this film do in the bracket? Taste E Buds. The Julio and Tenoch to my Luisa. How do we feel E2 Mama Tambien will do in the final I'm bracket? I'm super excited. I, I, I think this, right I think this might be it. I think this might be it, you guys. I know we said that about some of the other movies. And I... Yeah, I'm excited yeah, how many but, times we've said and that. And so it is it's not like one of these things where it's a it's a slam dunk. You it's, know, this is it's Brazil's wide. This jump. is not Cali- this is not California. <laughs> this is more like Georgia, right? Like it's gonna be a near thing, but I do think, much like Georgia, it's gonna go over the edge. I think we are 
I think I think this is it, you guys. I think this is 2001's movie of the year. I think he's going to... So he'll be 2001 and 2018. I've decided he's my favorite director. This is all very exciting. Crowd's excited. They're pumped. You know what? Like, that's actually near and dear to my heart. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron means a lot to me. But Greg picked him yeah. in the director draft. Like He's he's Greg's now. He belongs to that's me. That's it. I need somebody. And now me. when Greg goes and watches Gravity? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Children of Men, Potter like, before I knew four? that I... Before I knew his name, I loved yeah. him because he had formed Children of Men for me, <laughs> which is, like, so, like such a... It's obviously very different than this and in a lot of ways kind of dumber, but still a, a very cool flick. A secret princess and then also... Or a garden and then little also a uh, little princess, secret garden... And then also uh, a great expectations. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get now that he's my favorite director. I'm gonna have to pursue his whole back catalog. Yeah. And Harry Potter and the which was the first of the Harry Potter movies that I actually like noticed as a movie. Like before that, it seemed like toy commercials. Something I learned is a a lot of Harry Potter fans got mad at that one because it felt different. And by different, they went, Why'd you make like it a, a good movie? That's not what I signed up Instead for. Instead of trying to like race through 550 pages of a book and breakneck speed. <laughs> this uh, is Cho really Chan. Forget films. about her. <laughs> I, uh, look, Mike, I'm going to say that like I don't know if I'm going to put this one at number one, but this movie is near and dear to my heart, and I hope that it wins. I really do. Well, I, you have a third of the control of that, and we will see. It does feel like this. This is a uh, let's go to Steve Karnacki yeah, but, on the board. <laughs> it's oh man, he let him sleep. Our little baby boy needs some sleep. He's probably on the floor of the <laughs> studio right now. They probably just put a jacket <laughs> yeah, over. Yeah, they just put a jacket and a cot on top. Of him. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're receiving one third of the vote. Oh, one third of the vote. He can see is for he's he just pointing in his sleep. That's so cute. Of. Of course, uh, this show is not just about how you two mama tambien will do. It is about how you two did. How you feeling, I gentlemen? Feel like every, I feel like we all won. We Honestly, all won. I feel, I'm hoping it's a I feel a like tie. that I celebrated too much and that uh, Greg won for sure. We all lasted a minute and 28 <laughs> seconds is how I feel. Uh I do have to let you know the scores are – it felt for a while that they were lower than usual. And then maybe because I was just too entranced with what you guys were saying, but Greg, you came out of it with 34 okay. points. Maybe. And Ryan, you came out of it with 31 Ayo. points. So Greg, you are my best friend and the winner for the yeah. following week. You know, I, I have to say, I thought that I won. So there you go. Yeah. Well, you made some good points. So did I. We all did, Greg. Ryan, Ryan, you did too. You made a lot of good points. Uh, the final good point Greg made is <laughs> I thought I won, which was a good point because you did. Uh, that is the episode of Move of the Year for E2 Mama, Tambien. The final film in the bracket that we will be doing next week is Donnie Darko. Oh. Until then, keep watching the <laughs> movies. <laughs>